Hello, I'm Andrew from Unplanned Trek, and I've never listened to Let's Talk About Treks. Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Welcome, everybody. Hello. My name is Earl Gray. My name is Jack Dorino. And we are Let's Talk About Treks. That's the name of the show that we do weekly to talk about Star Trek. Yes. Most namely, the episode that just came out. Yes, which was Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 4, Episode 7, A Few Badgies More. Mm-hmm. The release date was the 12th of October, 2023. Uh-huh. Okay. It is the 37th of all 37 of Star Trek Lower Decks. It is the 905th of all of Star Trek. So either a very short Treks didn't come out this week, or this no. is actually the 905th, not counting very short Treks. I think we're done with the very short Treks. The last one oh, okay. being the one that uh, that had Devon Attendi and showcased the 50th anniversary of Star Trek the Animated Series. Oh, okay. I think that's I the final. I haven't been keeping up with them. You're forgiven. <laughs> I've I've looked at them in passing. Like I haven't. Yeah. It's not like an episode of Star Trek that comes out. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do my best to see it that day. Yeah. I yeah. definitely let days and weeks pass between seeing <laughs> these little things. I think I've seen like two or three of them. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You just go watch them on. They're all on YouTube. You yeah. Can just go yeah. watch them in one run, and it'll take like less than twenty minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's nice. They're all together. They're like the length of a Lower Decks episode. They're like the two-minute treks of the animated universe. Yay! Who was the writer of this episode? This episode was written by Edgar Montplazier. I'm going to assume that it's Montplazier. If, for some reason, I'm incorrect about the pronunciation of your name, mm-hmm. Mr. Montplazier, you are welcome to come on this show and correct us. This episode was directed by Bob Suarez, who, which is mm-hmm. a name that we have seen earlier this season. Yes. A Few Badgies More takes place on Stardate 58934.9. Uh-huh. Still in the year 2381. Three computerized villains return to cause problems for the USS Cerritos. This episode is the true redemption of Peanut Hamper and the ascension of Veggie. Yes, I really appreciated that, and I liked the little twist at the end on that. This is the episode where I most appreciated Jeffrey Combs. Uh-huh. He's been all over a whole bunch of Star Trek, Mm -hmm. and I know we've seen Agamemnon before, but for some reason in this episode, it was very clear to me that it was Jeffrey Combs because it was so Jeffrey (laughs) Combs, and I was glad to have him here, and I feel like this is the best use of Jeffrey Combs that Star Trek has done. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the best of... Wayun? Yeah, you could really hear like his Wayun in this one. He's really playing it up. Yeah, all his sinister. Yeah, all his sinister. You know, not so much Brunt and not so much um, the Andorian that he played, but his 24th century sinister. I do remember in um, No Small Parts, I think Mm -hmm. it was, when the whole destruction, the whole like battle in the Kala system happened. Mm -hmm. This is when Shax has died and was rescuing Rutherford and Rutherford Mm -hmm. lost his badgie. And he lost his eyepiece. Was it in the Peanut Hamper episode that we saw someone doing salvage? 
Yes. They picked up Rutherford's headpiece mm-hmm. and they tried to pick up Peanut Hamper, but he, Peanut Hamper like made a warp drive and yeah. warped away yeah. to the bird planet. Yeah. The beginning of this episode where we see Rutherford's eyepiece getting beamed up or tractor beamed up, yeah. I think that's more or less a flashback to remind us of what happened to that because we definitely saw that yeah eyepiece getting picked up before. Yeah. It's exactly a continuation of that scene mm-hmm. from that mathematically perfect <laughs> by the way speaking of that episode do you remember that was the episode where it had like the bird people mm-hmm. yes right so do you remember they had flying turtles i do remember that yes now do you remember in the uh I'm, I'm trying to call it imaginarium aquarium because that was the title that grayson gave it <laughs> for our episode but it was the uh the, the one the one with the uh whales no, the one with the menagerie. Right, yeah. The Moopsie episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there were flying turtles in the Moopsie episode. You know, now that you, you mention it, I think you were right. And Narge said that every creature in there was incredibly dangerous. Yes, okay. Wow, I wonder how those turtles are dangerous. I do wonder that myself as well. Although... They, could they have just been in there to as, as food for whatever else was in there? Yeah, I suppose that could be the case. I've been to aquariums where you see all the animals all swimming together, and you got to mm-hmm. wonder, especially like when there's a shark in there, Sure, is there ever any predation that goes on in the aquarium? You know, when they're setting up an entire ecosystem. Sure. Although, I mean, it's just occurring to me, maybe they feed them just enough, and they're like, well, why should I fight and try and chase this food when I can get free handouts? You know, it's kind of like... Uh, grizzly bears at Yellowstone at the dumpster. Same reason why you shouldn't really release those animals back into the wild because <laughs> they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. They're going to be waiting for someone to feed them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also seeing the Drukmania again, we've seen them what, like twice previously? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been keeping track, but uh, it yeah. seems like about two or three times. Yeah. Yeah, we saw them in the in in another episode with Peanut Hamper, mm-hmm. and then I don't really recall what the first episode was. They, they seem like you know, the more rugged form of Packlids, especially the way they're behaving in, yeah. in this episode. Smart Packlids is what they kind of <laughs> come off like. <laughs> okay. So we we flipped the, the convention this time and, and we have, instead of the season-wide arc theme running as mm-hmm. the teaser, we have that as we go into Act 1. Yeah. And I was really, I like the, the whole Binars scene. I was sad yeah. about what was going to happen because I knew what was going to happen as soon as <laughs> I saw them yeah. pop up. But uh, I really enjoyed seeing that, and I think that they captured the original, the the idea of the original, expanded on it extremely yeah. well in this episode. From the way that they are on the ship, and the way that the pairs interact and move about the ship, and yeah. the design of the ship as well. Yeah, for a moment, I thought I saw a flaw because there, it seemed like there was one that was just kind of hanging out by itself, and I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Where is? Where's its partner? Yeah, and then he came to the bridge and joined up with them there. I, I mean, I guess I always thought they were always together. But... I mean, it defined what together is because you can be on the same same ship and be together. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're Wi-Fi and doing Wi-Fi connections, yeah, I guess you couldn't can be somewhat of a distance apart. Sure. <laughs> The one thing I was curious about was, weren't they kind of trying to hint that uh, binars don't have gender? I'm not really sure. I think that that was sort of the idea, but I think it was sort of that there was a gender type that we just hadn't explored and weren't aware of that might be different than what we might expect. Okay. So they didn't really define it because of that, like Mm, to leave it sort of unknown. Yeah. 
And I caught a little bit of a note on Memory Alpha. This is actually part six of six of the overarching arc of this of, of the season. So Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean I don't know if that's the last one, but as far as we know so far. Yeah, I imagine we have to resolve it probably in nine and ten. I'm hoping that nine yeah. and ten is like a two parter that sort of resolves that whole thing. I wonder if we'll get another movie episode. Well, if we do have a movie episode, do you think maybe they'll put Talin in it as they did not do in this episode? No Talin. It's like starting all the way back with the grappler scene, at the <laughs> all the way to the end of the of the final grappler scene. No Talin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So we split the storylines right into two separate pieces. There's the mission mm-hmm. to the Binar ship, and then there's Tendi and uh, Boimler to the Daystrom Institute, right? And I like how they split it up. I mean, I guess we did go get back to the ship's mission because that's how we do the uh, Badgie and Rutherford story, but uh, yeah. I, I like how we kind of focused on Peanut Hamper and I keep on wanting to say Artemis, but that's not how Agamus. Agamus. Yeah. We started right off with that story rather than sticking with the ship. You know, so many times in, in other formats, we see, oh, we stick with the ship and we send off th- these other people. And that the people going on the away mission are the B plot. And this seems like this was flipped on its head. Well, I, you know, I kind of felt like there wasn't a B plot. Like I couldn't really distinguish. Not only could I not distinguish between which was the A plot and which wasn't the B plot, but it mm-hmm. seemed like they sort of merged at the ending anyway. Yeah, they did very well. And what helped that is Agamus and Peanut Hamper's supposed side story where they were supposed to try and escape together, too. Yeah. What do you think about the blue red convention as societal standard i mean it works in not only in this universe but across <laughs> many universes where blue is good and red is evil well it works in our own universe too if i want to make a political joke but what if you didn't want to make a political joke okay i probably shouldn't you already did <laughs> you know i mean blue is a often a soothing color we look up at our sky and we enjoy the the blue sky mm. But at the same time, many sunsets and sunrises have oranges and reds and and that end of the spectrum in them. So and pinks. So in its own way, red can be a nice color, too. Sure. I mean, red is a lot of times associated with anger because it's associated with blood. Yeah. And that's like ingrained into our DNA way back that red is the angry. Yeah. Red's associated with anger and murder and death and blood and and negative stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, the color of Valentine's Day is red. I mean, it's associated with love and heart. This is true. I mean, obviously the heart itself. There might be a a statement in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of also a romantic color. Yes. Although, I mean, I mean, I see a lot of standby colors and when the device is off, the standby color changes to red. And when the device is on, the standby color changes to blue. So sure. Yeah, because red is negative. So red is off and blue is on. Yeah. But it could be very easy to confuse someone. Well, yeah. Deciding what something is by its light might not be a really good practice. Yeah. People have noticed that, like, their light, the little LED light on their mm-hmm. camera laptop is on, and they didn't know why, and then they find out they're being recorded across the internet for months <laughs> and months. That's why I keep a uh, piece of paper taped over the uh, camera on my uh, laptop. 
I'm sure that looks lovely. <laughs> it looks really tiny. Little, little tiny square of electric tape, you know? Uh, yeah. Little, little tiny square of black tape. Don't even notice it. I didn't want to get gum on the lens. Yeah. Get, get serious, that. Because, I mean, I use it sometimes. I have to use it when I'm on a uh, telehealth call with uh, therapists or doctors and stuff. But it's interesting about our psychological conditioning in our culture mm -hmm. to uh -huh. distinguish red and blue. And if certainly Agamus is taking advantage of that. Another thing I find interesting is that um, the the Enterprise, say like the Enterprise D, or really the Enterprise Nobody, or the, the <laughs> any of them, right? Yeah. All of them have lights on them, and all of them have both red and blue mm -hmm. lights on them. Yeah. So it, it makes me again wonder about that theory <laughs> that Star Trek is um, uh, Starfleet propaganda. Mm. where they're painting these stories from the perspective of Starfleet and maybe mm -hmm. other people's perspective might not be the same because if this is Starfleet telling the story right yeah maybe things look a little different to other people so the way that we are telling it the largest lights on the ship are blue mm -hmm. and the smaller lights on the ship are red but maybe in the other people's telling of it can you imagine like if we flip that around and uh -huh. Starfleet ships had a majority red lights on them and then like yeah. a couple blue highlights are you excluding the port and starboard red and green lights? Yeah, I think those would have to stay the same color. Yeah. I'm just talking about the Bassard collectors, so the like, collector yeah, dish, the, yeah. the nacelle ports. Yeah, I mean, I was just actually wondering about that. Maybe the red and blue thing is only a Western culture kind of thing. Huh. What's the perspective of Eastern culture or Middle Eastern culture or whatever? Well, and, and as a matter of fact, when I was over in Vietnam, I went to a wedding and they had okay. the bride had instead of a white dress, a red dress. And okay. red is a lucky color. Huh. All right. Now, there might be some propaganda in that because, of course, the party's color oh, is red, too. Communist. Oh, that's oh, that's very interesting. Oh, that's very interesting, actually. Although there was another party whose primary color was red, too. Red and black, if you know where I'm going. I don't know where you're going. The Nazis. Oh, the Nazis. Yeah, I was trying not to... You don't like it when I bring them up. Yeah, producer David cut that whole dumb section. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, over in Asian countries, their lucky color is red. They use a red in multiple places. The original Vietnamese flag is a field of yellow with three red stripes, horizontal stripes. Welcome to the first episode of Earl Grey's Informed World Traveler. So yeah, maybe from other cultures, their perspective is red is a nice color and blue is a nasty color. One of the things I was also realizing about red and blue is in, in colorblindness, it's not so common that you're both colorblind for red and colorblind for blue. Because okay. the most common are, colorblindness... Are they opposites? Yeah, they're opposites. Okay. The most common colorblindness, especially in men, is red-green colorblind. So you would still be able to see blue. And opposite to that would be, I think, blue and yellow colorblind? I forget. But then you would still be able to see red. You just wouldn't be able to distinguish between red and, or blue and what a uh, green, I guess, maybe? No, that doesn't make sense. So anyway, maybe if something is both red and blue, you know, you would at least be able to see one of those colors. This has been Earl Grey's Confusing World Traveler. <laughs> Please note that this <laughs> preceding episode 
does not represent the views or opinions of Let's Talk About Treks and are solely the views as represented by Earl Grey in Earl Grey's Confused World Traveler. <laughs> or just overthinking things. The Demon Triangle, I think, is a good name for Badgie. <laughs> oh yeah. I like I like that sort of a lore name. And I think that it could come up in the future. Uh oh. As as like the visitation of some dangerous imp, you know. Oh, so maybe triangle. being in the um astral plane as it is now, maybe he'll be like a uh, Loki or a uh... pop up in discovery. Ooh, what would he look like in real life? They sort of went towards that a little bit yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Um so as we've heard Badgie say, Hi, Father, prepare to die. Ooh. I think that means that it is time for us to take our first break. Listen, I'm going to I'm gonna try not to do this too much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it very quickly. But if you go to our webpage, let's talk about trucks.com, and you click to Amazon Star Trek, mm -hmm. and you buy anything off of Amazon, after having clicked on our link, I think they'll give us, like, I don't know, an eighth of a penny or something. <laughs> so... So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. It would be really awesome. All right. Yes, please do that. And with that, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jack from Two Minute Trek. I watch Shrek with my dad and then we review it in two minutes. So if you'd like your podcast to be shorter than a trip on a turbo lift, search up Two Minute Trek wherever you listen to. Let's talk about Treks. Rustling papers, rustling papers. Another week, another cocktail. Welcome back, Gallifrey, to Let's Talk About Treks. Hello. This week we have uh, something that seems rather interesting to me. The uh, the ingredients were very simple to source. However, uh, the combination is uh, a bit unique. I, I had to make some edits. We'll uh, we'll talk about those in just a moment. Why don't you let us know uh, what the Scorch 1701's cocktail is this week and what it's made of? Well, this week is the Sick Bay Slammer by Dr. To Honor. We have two cups of bourbon, one cup of heavy cream, one cup of whole milk, 14 ounces of sweet condensed milk, uh -huh. one can, one teaspoon of vanilla, and one teaspoon of blackberry syrup. Okay, I made some uh, some edits there, some, some alterations. The, you know, because there's a lactose thing in there, right? Yeah. So I used almond creamer for the heavy cream. Okay. I used uh, sweet condensed coconut milk Okay. For the sweet condensed milk. And then I used almond milk for the whole milk that the, the recipe required. Okay. Uh, I've just poured some glasses here, but why don't you let us know how to make this cocktail? All right. Our directions are, first you're going to pour everything into a blender. Uh -huh, blend for 20 seconds. Serve in a rocks glass over ice. Yes. Garnish with fresh blackberries and call me in the morning. And call me in the morning. Mm -hmm. So... Here we are with the uh, Dr. T on this sick base slimmer. Why don't you give it a right, let's try that. and see how. Cheers. Oh. Oh, sure. So thick. Oh. It's like a Christmas drink. Eggnog, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it, is, <laughs> it is very thick. But it's like an eggnog milkshake. <laughs> so what's your take on this cocktail so far? Oh, 
It's kind of hard to swallow. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no, it's very thick. It's giving me Christmas. Mm -hmm. Cocktail sent by the fireplace. Oh, okay. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. Yeah. I would definitely buy this cocktail at Christmas time. Sure. <laughs> so I feel like definitely. You, I could use some like red and green in it. Yeah. I would want this. I was. I would want this cocktail the the night before Christmas. You know what I mean? After you finish proper presents, you're yeah. just sitting there like, yeah. So tomorrow, really Christmas, you know? Like, yeah. you know, it's the holidays, you know. Yeah, it's a good one for that. Yeah. You could add a little cinnamon or nutmeg. Yeah, you definitely could. You definitely could. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking when I was reading the ingredients that this might be a beverage best lapped up from a bowl. Yeah. Being as Dr. Tian is. Yeah. Yeah. Patient. Yeah, um, but if you drinking, if you drinking the regular, like with the with the milk and the this milk and all that shit, yes, you definitely gonna be sitting on solid. Yes, <laughs> you definitely go shit. Uh, it's gonna clean your insides. Yes, it will. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least for for me for the day. <laughs> yeah, Some for people. me. Yeah, it's definitely gonna make me shit. Uh, <laughs> liquor and milk and and the, and the same thing mixed together. Oh yeah. You know they gave me a con <laughs> a, a drink once called a cement mixer, which is like some sort of alcohol with milk or something uh -huh. and it like as you drink it it curdles in your mouth and it ends up being like a chewy mess yeah so oh. wild they were like you like it i was like oh yeah it's fine <laughs> i have another i guess <laughs> then not that this is like this it? it's good i'm not gonna say it's not good okay but mixing milk with liquor yeah i mean well, it's a recipe for disaster does this count as milk though what we're using uh, yeah i mean what, what we're using is not milk but the original recipe, mixing milk with liquor, let me just tell you, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't do it. I mean, just milk in general, don't do it. If you want to be sitting on the toilet, shitting all your insides out, okay. don't do it. Welcome to Let's Talk About Sex. <laughs> yeah. go hard. Yes, welcome. <laughs> We're glad to have you. This cocktail is unique. Uh -huh. When I say these cocktails this season, Really heavy on the edge of my seat. Like what? You mix a what? Well, what? Um, let me try. It. But <laughs> have any of them been bad? No, they haven't been bad. Huh? They they've been like something out the ordinary. Huh? Something that you know what I'm saying? Because because who I am, huh? I'm like I'm the one that like to try to do things. Huh? I'm like yeah, let me try. It. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let me see what it's saying, huh? You know what I'm saying? Let me see what, what that's like, huh? Cause you ne you would never think that, you know what I'm saying, people would put these things together, you know, for a cocktail to drink, huh? To yeah. get drunk off of. You know I mean, what I mean? There's gotta be some reason these products are made. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's very thick. It is very thick. It's very <laughs> notice that you're you're working your way through it. I'm breaking my way through it. <laughs> I'm breaking it, I'm getting it down. It creates little rings as it goes down. Yeah, it does. Like <laughs> it does. But this drink would be very, very, very good with a cinnamon stick. Yeah, with a cinnamon stick, huh? with some cinnamon. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would yeah. you serve it cold or warm? I would serve it cold. Okay. It'd be best cold. Oh, you know what you could do? Actually, I you could probably throw some ice in the blender yeah. and just turn it into a yeah. frozen drink yeah. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Drink. It'd be best as a frozen drink. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I'd give it a thumbs up. Yeah. What would you give it on a scale of one to ten? I give it an eight. 
Why? Because it has bourbon. Is it bourbon? There is bourbon. Yeah, yes. I give it. Yeah, and I love bourbon. Two cups of bourbon. Yeah, in yeah, I love bourbon. Bourbon is very sophisticated. Is it? I'm uppity. <laughs> Look at me. I got a corporate job. Y'all. I'm making money. I'm sipping bourbon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Go to the bar. Huh? What you had to drink? I had bourbon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Very much that. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the ingredients in this cocktail, just reading them. Like, usually it's, you know, one ounce of this, two ounces of that. This time it was two cups of bourbon was the first ingredient. I was like, oh, okay, I, this is what we're doing. We're making a bucket. Well. Which would have been would have been interesting for last week with uh, Rutherford's rum bucket, right? Yeah. Like the bucket of rum. But it fits, it fits the person that the cocktail is named after because the the cocktail is after um Tacana, which Tiana, is yeah. a what? A cat. Yes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A cat's like what? Milk. Milk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I see what oh, you did there. Huh? We learned in that one episode, the naked lower decks. Yeah. That yeah. she apparently likes yeah. to drink. She likes to well. drink. <laughs> she likes to get drunk. So, you know what I mean? Milk and liquor, you I know. It fixed. Yeah. It fixed it fixed the episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm for it. Yeah. Yet another interesting cocktail. From the Scorch 1701 provided it for us this week. I can't wait to see what we're going to get for the final three episodes of the season. Your stomach will be hurting in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the <laughs> and the coconut. Okay, so, Gallifrey, you know, every time we come back from the cocktail segment, uh, Earl Grey always reminds us to uh, drink responsibly. Yeah, I'm not responsible, but I love to drink, so... I guess they don't apply to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But everybody else, make sure you take responsibility. Yes. We'll see you in about a week. Yeah. Everybody, thanks very much for joining us again on Let's Talk About Trucks. Thank you for having me again. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. I am still Earl Grey. My name is Jack Dorino once again. Actually, how about this week you call me Actually. Earl G? <laughs> Actually. Uh-huh. Should I, should I go by Earl G? What? Earl G? Adding G on the end of it, like badge, badgy? No. There's a net. I don't. What is we're What are we watching here? There's a television show about a network attached storage device. Mm-hmm. It takes about five five inch drives. That's that's playing. I guess Timmy Martin in the Lassie show. Mm-hmm. This is a show that I would not watch, as opposed to the Frankie Cop show. Oh, okay. So you don't want to see a whole bunch of uh, evil computers trying to help Lassie get Timmy out of a well. Yeah, I imagined it was just one evil computer, but yeah, or or even a good computer. Some computers yeah, are good. good. Computer. Yeah. Hashtag not all computers. <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought it was a cute clip because obviously Agamus can't really do anything on his own. He can't hover like Peanut Hamper Cannon. The uh, computer in, in this seems to be more like him rather than Peanut Hamper. So how does he do anything? I mean, Agamus did get, I guess, the gardener to put in those little drones for some reason. Yeah. It's funny when when they go down and get Agamus, right? Mm-hmm. Boimler 
begrudgingly agrees to take Agamemnon to this place where he can connect with the data and get the actual video, you know, whatever the whole event with the binars. Mm-hmm. And Boimler says, okay, well, we'll go, but I'll be watching you. And then literally he doesn't watch him. <laughs> because they're in the shuttle and then those two little drones that the gardener yeah. was somehow tricked to install that I guess have some sort of computer interaction device and also have tiny uh, replicators in them because they <laughs> can replicate handcuffs and also interact with computers by a little laser light thing. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess I just figured that Agamus had the replicator because it appeared that uh, the drones, when we first saw them, uh-huh. it appeared that they were just being replicated, kind of like Peanut Hamper's nose. Oh, I hadn't considered that. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Okay. So, wait, so when you go canon. Oh, yes. Earl Grey. That's <laughs> the thing. Sorry to toot my own horn. I shouldn't have done that. It's okay. We both... Uh, let's move on. There's a this de- there's this demon delta, right? That's his name. Was yeah. was doing this whole boop booping thing, boopy on the nose. Yeah, badgy. Which is when Rutherford decides he's going to go sacrifice himself, and then of course Mariner tags along. It's the first time we've had two people flying through space by themselves. It's, <laughs> it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of enjoyed this, and it, it wasn't much of a surprise, although it was a little bit of a surprise when yeah. somebody latches onto his foot, and I figured maybe she was tethered and was going to pull him back in or something. Yeah, that's but, what you would think, right? Oh, wait, the Nebula had screwed up their sensors, so they probably couldn't have just beamed it back on. Oh, I have, I have literally no idea. I, I think I fixed my own problem. <laughs> okay, sounds good. This is the second instance of a full interior hollow grid mm-hmm. that we've seen in this show. Yeah. And I was wondering about, is is this an idea that could be spun off as like into a backdoor pilot kind of thing? Like where you have a ship that's full of mostly holographic people? That would be a good backdoor pilot. Didn't they kind of do that in a way on a Voyager episode? Oh, oh I, I don't recall specifically. That would be quite interesting. Speaking of Voyager, one connection, another connection to Voyager in this episode is there's a gas that Agamus at one point pumps into the ship to try to knock everybody out. Yeah, neurazine gas. Yeah, so there's three different types. <laughs> Apparently there's neurazine gas mm-hmm. with an A, neurazine gas, and there's neurozine gas, and then there's neurazine gas, right? And mm-hmm. neurazine gas was the gas that they used at Teraknoi, the Cardassians used against the Bajorans to keep them in control. Mm-hmm. And then there's Nurazine gas from the Voyager episode, Message in a Bottle, that they used to knock out, I think, the Romulans that mm-hmm. were on that ship. And then there's Nurazine gas, which is the gas <laughs> that killed Section 31's Boimler. So Section 31's Boimler's death being the only reference to a death happening from this type of gas. I'm going to assume that they're all the same gas because they tend to have the same effects, except the neurocene gas, which did the death with Boimler. Yeah, I mean, maybe it took a higher, more concentrated level to kill. Well, he didn't die, did he? Well, no, he didn't. He fake died. But I think that's that's what the story is, that he died. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's technically all the same thing. The prefix neuro implies that it must have an effect on you know neurological tissue or something yeah and you're right i think maybe they just haven't settled on a spelling or a pronunciation (laughs) of this exact same chemical and i mean it could just be variants on the different dialects of 
federation standard oh sure oh that's an interesting point i've never thought about that before but it would make sense that federation the federation would have different dialects in different areas Mm -hmm. or do you think that the constant starship travel would change that well i don't i mean the constant naval travel doesn't Mm -hmm. change that here so yeah i mean we don't have instantaneous travel between long distance locations yet so it's true I mean, sometimes you can go across the border into another state and they pronounce the name of our first president differently. Okay. So maybe if you get like instantaneous travel, maybe that does help eliminate different dialects and stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm not trying to eliminate any anyone. <laughs> Just to be clear, this let's talk about trucks does not advocate the elimination of any peoples or any cultures. Yes. <laughs> um, so at one point Rutherford you know I guess says like all the right words to, to Badgie mm-hmm. and Badgie splits off into Badgie and Goodgy. yes right? yeah. which is Badgie's I guess Badgie's gold and then Goodgy is silver mm-hmm. so then all that's left in Badgie one would presume at that point right when Goodgy is split off is Logicky and Badgie is it Badgie because Badgie's bad and good Goodgy's good like is that 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 bad has always well, been in there, bad G. I mean, I think it. I think that they realized that they accidentally created a pun. Ooh, is a G a name for a genie? And then like they just put bad in front of it, so Badgie's actually just like an evil genie. I initially thought that uh-huh. since he's a com badge, he's obviously a badge. And then yes. I think you know Rutherford's logic in universe was just, oh, let's make it cute, let's add a Y, kind of like Kitty. Yeah, thanks for that. But I think. Maybe the writing staff kind of realized, oh, wait, look at that. There's, you know, the first half of his name is literally the word bad. Yeah. And he turned bad. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where I was going with that. I don't either. (laughs) So where I was going was that all that's left inside of the badgy part after Goji splits off is logic and evil. Yeah. So is logic part of the bad part? That's that's what the implication is here. That once you've split off all the good, logic logic still remains. So logic's not not part of the good part. It's part of the bad part. Or is it part of both? I think it's probably part of both. Mm. I think the logical side of anybody is not necessarily good or bad. It can mm. be neutral. It depends on how you use your logic. This is fair. Yeah. You know, j- just like you can manipulate statistics to show some and the way you present them can be presented to show that something is a good thing or a bad thing and it's the same exact thing the same exact statistic okay you know for example there are many times where we see vulcans doing things that uh don't make sense okay like wh- how is it logical to rebel against your government and become and join the marquee the maquis if your government is wrong. Okay. But how come then all Vulcans don't go and follow that same logic? Because of perspective. Mm-hmm. So logic in itself is neither good nor bad. And certainly Goodji still has a side to them that is logical. Sure, they would have to. They are a computer program. <laughs> I mean, it was partially logic that helped develop the personality of Gucci too. If you take away all the bad parts, mm-hmm. like after Badgie, you know, sloughed off all these parts, the the 
logic and the good, mm-hmm. presumably all that would be left would be like hate is what it appears to me. It appears to be more just like hate that's left behind. But what's funny about that is that the opposite of love is not hate it's indifference mm. right because with hate you have to there's also feelings like strong feelings mm. involved yeah so it's not really an opposite in order to be opposite you just have to be devoid of feeling which is which mm-hmm. is indifference so shouldn't the evil one just be indifferent <laughs> which is kind of like what ends up happening it's just like oh why do i care mm-hmm so that one is actually the opposite of Gucci. Mm, interesting. I didn't think about that. I mean, our culture does often think of bad and good and love and hate as opposites, but one emotional extreme can only, yeah, I, I get where you're going with that, can only lead to the opposite. Yeah, it's easier to slip from one emotional extreme to another emotional extreme, mm-hmm. but to really like to make an absolute change and break from whatever it was that caused that emotional reaction is to be indifferent about it. Like, yeah. I, you just have to not care. Like, once you don't yeah. care, that's the opposite. Yeah. Hate is just like love plus jealousy. <laughs> yeah. I like what, how when the Cerritos hails the Drukmani, Dr- mm-hmm. the captain dispenses with all pleasantries, that ignores the fact that Badgie is there and could just kill him in a thought. And he just says, hey, we need help. We've <laughs> We've yeah. got a problem. Yeah, he's able to pop up real quick before Badgie stops him. Yeah. At first, I thought that Badgie sitting there was just going to be kind of like, this is how he appears to the guy himself. Yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah. You know, kind of like a... Uh, like um, a gray or a number six. Or the uh, good and the uh, devil and the angel on your shoulder, like the uh, sure. conscience. Yes, same idea. But... Um, I like the little spin that they put in. Oh, yeah, I installed hollow emitters all over the ship. Yeah. What happens to Logic-y when Logic-y dies? Does Logic-y ascend into something as well, or is Logic-y just an off-program? Can can Logic really die? I guess not. Well, yes. No. I don't know. If everything ends in chaos, is that actually just not Logic? Perhaps. I, I, I don't know. What is the opposite of Logic? Illogic. Is it chaos? Illogic? Sure, okay. I think it's chaos. I mean, there are certain things that people could find logical in allowing chaos to happen or when chaos does happen. Yes. I mean, chaos is sort of a spin off of entropy. And the whole universe is apparently headed towards entropy and either whatever you want to call it, the Ganab Ganib or the Big Rip. I'm sorry, the Ganab Ganib? It was. Uh, big Bang Backwards. Okay. <laughs> it's a, a Hitchhiker's to the Galaxy joke. Okay. <laughs> a Douglas Adams joke. I was really worried about what would happen when Badgie hooked up to the subspace, the whole subspace thing. I still hope yeah. that it would happen. Like, I still want to see what would happen. Um, yeah. I didn't expect it to be so quite so galaxy-spanning and large. It seems, there is, it yeah. seems oh, to me that there's right. a little bit of a leap from... Uh, yeah. existing across the entire subspace network of Starfleet and existing across the galaxy all at yeah, one time. Yeah, I mean, it, certainly by only 2381, when Voyager got home, obviously yeah. the Federation has expanded all across the galaxy. Right. Although we would assume that subspace is everywhere in the galaxy as well. Yeah, I guess you do drop into subspace to go to warp speed. So I guess if you could access... Yeah subspace and exist in subspace sure that would do it 
Oh, well, look at and, that. This is the second time that Earl Grey explained a thing. <laughs> and doesn't subspace go beyond just the Milky Way galaxy? Yes, it's all across the universe. Okay. So, hypothetically, Badgie could have spread himself completely to all of the creation or existence. Yes, I think that's what happened there at the end. Oh, yeah. So when when Badgie is doing this whole ascension process, Mm -hmm. there was this first star base that I was very curious about. It showed us like a star base and then it showed us Deep Space Nine and then it showed us another Mm -hmm. star base. It showed us one of those uh, parliament class ships that I've grown so fond of. Mm -hmm. And uh, this first star base was really interesting because it had what appeared to me to be two Andorian ships. It had like a shape like a regular starbase, right? But then it had mm-hmm. a, sort of a docking ring mm. somewhere between the upper, you know, mushroom part and, you know, along the rest of it. And mm-hmm. it, it had what appeared to me to be two Andorian ships, four Starfleet ships, a one, I guess, Maquis ship. But it was, it was two, the doors... <laughs> <laughs> on the upper part were too small to fit any of those ships that were docked at it so I wonder mm-hmm. what kind of ships go into that little port and that made me wonder like what sort of starbase is it like is it is it some sort of like civilian starbase the only well, ships that could fit in there would be like shuttles and small craft yeah that that's interesting I mean it, it seems like not all starbases can be upgraded immediately to, to accommodate all the sizes of as, as the ships get bigger <laughs> okay so maybe it's like an older starbase and they added on a yeah. docking ring. Hmm. Yeah. So that other things can dock with it besides, you know, going in it like, you know, Starbase One. I mean, I always thought it was interesting that they used the exact same model in like two different eras of Star Trek. And somehow the Enterprise A is exactly big enough to yeah. fit in there. But then oh. generations later, the Enterprise yeah. D, which is significantly yeah. bigger can than the Enterprise it, yeah. A, is exactly big big enough to fit into it so i mean obviously timeline wise at some point they could just upgrade the mushroom head of the starbase and make it bigger and make the door bigger but you know i always thought it was just kind of weird how all of a sudden in a span of like 70 years okay 70 years yeah yeah that's pretty interesting i i think i like that idea i think that i think that you've created some new headcanon for me and i think that the different size star bases and then adapting the smaller star bases to be able to dock differently with the larger yeah. ships. I like the idea. Yes, I'm going to Earl Grey fix yet another thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe those doors are only big enough to be able to accommodate, I don't know, an, an X-class ship or maybe an yeah. Oberth-class ship. This became very much a Rick and Morty sort of style plot line <laughs> with Badgie taking over the the universe. Like I, I like that very much. I think it was cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I like the resolution of this, and it was kind of a surprise to me. And I'm like, this is what you know. Yeah. How are they going to fix this in in the amount of time that they have? Yeah. And it just kind of took an immediate left turn, and I'm like, whoa, this is kind of cool. He just becomes so self aware and and expansive in his knowledge. He's like, wait a minute. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. Why yeah. am I doing this? Wait, he says he's going to. Uh, go to an empty dimension and create a universe and mm-hmm. hang out with the Q continuum and yeah. go to the Black Mountain. Yeah. What's the Black Mountain? I have no idea. That okay. I bet you. What, what if we find out? Maybe we'll figure. Ooh. Yes. Caves. 
caves in a mountain. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, because the koala was out there hanging inside the the little portal that he was going to. One of the things I was kind of worried about is Uh what was Badgie going to, you know, start doing the same thing that was at the end of uh, Star Trek Prodigy, you know, with the virus that was starting to take over all of Starfleet. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, again, for a third time, we can have that happen because that happened. (laughs) It happened then in Prodigy. It happened in Picard. Mm -hmm. This would be yet another time. Yeah. I think we're good on some mysterious force takes over all of the ships and people. (laughs) We're good on that for a couple of years. Give us a little break on that. Yeah. Yeah. At least we haven't had an encounter with the Borg yet. In uh, oh, knock on wood! Shh, don't say shh, don't. <laughs> Jinx. So we have we have Agamus back in storage with Peanut Hamper, I guess, back yeah. on probation, and mm-hmm. uh, Agamus is able to provide the details of the ships being stolen, which mm. I have to note Ooh, was an idea twist. presented very early in this season by our friend TV guy Grayson. So, congratulations, Ooh. Grayson, for determining that this was going to be where they headed this season. Grayson predicted a thing. Right. Ooh, okay. So, Grayson being a TV guy, don't you think he might have had an inside, no, insider knowledge? Ooh, on do you think what- he's talking to people? He's talking to people behind the scenes, and he's like, here's what I, here's what I think. I think maybe this, but he actually knows for real because he's seen the whole season already. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's the case at all. Oh, okay. But I do like your conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, I also kind of come, came up with that, that they're actually being teleported to the future or teleported somewhere else or more or less being stolen and not just obliterated. Yeah, it's weird that they're being dragged somewhere with a tractor yeah. beam. Mm-hmm. You would think that they would all have to be going somewhere and either centrally located for all of the events yeah. or yeah. close by. Well, and they're being brought away so fast that they appear to be obliterated. And they leave, like, exact enough de- debris behind? Yeah. What could be the possible point of doing that? I don't... I guess it could be a collector. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a really nice, fancy ship, and those collectors often do have... But what is he doing really with the nice people? Putting them in a zoo? Okay, yeah. A new menagerium aquarium. Menagerie. Yep. Yeah, we're back to grapplers again, but this episode is bookended by grapplers. I don't, <laughs> I mean, I have no problem with grapplers. So, this is how I feel about grapplers. I feel the uh-huh. opposite of love about grapplers. I literally feel indifferent about them. It doesn't bother me that they're showcasing them. I'm just like, mm, <laughs> yeah. okay, whatever. But I literally am indifferent about grapplers. Yeah. I, I hope that there's someone that's enjoying the, the grapplers thing. It's weird that they, they're using grapplers because that's what the Enterprise NX-01 had Correct. instead of a tractor beam. Yeah, that's why we're talking about it. We first brought it up when we were talking about NX-01 stuff. Mm. Okay. It, it was in the um, episode of Strange New Worlds called Those Old Scientists. Oh, yeah. Where it was the crossover, and they were talking about grapplers, uh-huh. and there was a whole mention of grapplers, and here we've brought grapplers back again. Not bothered by uh, it. Oh, it okay. So they're, they're connecting it to back to that crossover episode to make sure that the fans realize, yeah, <laughs> this is a thing. Yeah, that, that it did happen. Really talking uh, about grapplers. I'm wondering if grapplers are going to factor into something here in the season finale. Oh, perhaps. Maybe that's why we keep mentioning grapplers. Did you notice that uh, when Agamus took over the shuttlecraft at first, um, we got 
the inside perspective of the splash screen, you know, the image that they're using for season four of the shuttle, you know, looking like it's crashing onto a, a planet. Oh, really? No, I actually hadn't noticed that. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for pointing that out. Except I think the splash screen has all four of them in it instead of just yeah. the two of them. But... I think so as well. So um, are we, do you think we're done with uh, both Peanut Hamper and Agamus? No. Not at all. Okay. I mean, I would love to see Agamus one redeemed. I think that I would like to see what more of what's going on with Peanut Hamper. I would like. I mean, yeah, they've been redeemed. They're out on parole, and they did have yeah. a change of heart or a change of mind. Yeah, I think they're both redeemed. I feel like that's the closer, really, of their storyline. Well, they're not dead yet. Yeah, but I mean, insofar as that's a good period to an end of a sentence, you know, because the the presumption is at the end of this movie that you know just for the credits roll it's going to be like and peanut hamper and agamus went on to live happily ever after never did a bad <laughs> thing again you know on this yeah, planet yeah. by themselves you know like that's where they've left the story right now writers are creative i mean they have a way of creating a sequel into movies where you never thought that there would be a se- be a need of a sequel and well, do you do you think we're done with badgie no no, definitely not. I mean, there's too much more expansive stuff. I mean, we've hinted at the Q coming in, and he just mentioned going to hang out with Q after creating a new mm-hmm. universe. He did. Uh, I don't. It's interesting that you didn't perceive. So what I perceived was like a closing of storylines. Like we've closed out a Badgie storyline into mm-hmm. like his ascendance. We've closed down the Peanut Hamper storyline and the Agamemnon mm-hmm. storyline into this. You know nice and you know sweet resolution story and mm-hmm. then we're starting to advance our our main characters I'm, I'm i'm feeling like are we drawing towards closing out so that we can close out altogether as a series well when i was doing some research to try and find the summary for next episode mm-hmm. i did find that apparently other places have listed a fifth season so okay uh, have you heard anything about them being renewed for a fifth season? I feel like I heard someone say that the fifth season would be the last. Okay. I may be making that up. Okay. I mean, obviously, yeah, if we never visited them for, you know, the last season, yeah, I mean, that would be fine. This would be definitely a good period to the sentence, but I could see how it could be a comma, though. Yeah, yeah, this is fair. <laughs> um, I think these storylines were very well merged together. Like like I said, they yeah. kind of started together and came apart and then went back together at the end. Yeah. Uh, usually we have like an A plot and a B plot, and it was sort of hard for me to determine which was which, mm-hmm. because they were sort of equally as important. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought that it was very creative how the plots kind of intermingled but didn't, but they all both seemed equally as important. Mm-hmm. I thought there was some interesting perspectives on, or maybe commentary on split personality syndrome. Okay. Obviously, it's not always just two personalities, but can be three or more personalities. I thought that that side of Badgie brought some interesting conversations into the loop. And I really appreciate how, you know, we're developing a relationship between Peanut Hamper and Agamus. I feel like this is a good wind up towards the season finale, which I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for like a two parter that concludes without it to be continued for the end of this, this season. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. 
maybe we'll have a three-parter season finale. Okay. <laughs> Don't we have three episodes left in the season? Yeah, we're on episode seven right now. Mm-hmm. Next one will be eight tomorrow, and then we'll go to the uh, to the nine and the ten. Yes, correct. Tomorrow. Okay. Speaking of the next episode, as I kind of mentioned before, next week the only thing I could find so far is the title is called Caves. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead and guess that something happens on a planet and they go to some caves <laughs> maybe hunting down the people who yeah. are doing the ship stealing maybe all the ships are yeah. hiding and being hidden in caves Ooh, okay i'm gonna give this episode a nine a nine yes i would give it a 10 but this is in the hopes that episodes <laughs> eight nine and ten will among there will be one or two tens and i don't want to overdo it would you move down the previous episode? Because didn't you give that episode a nine? Um, no, it's no. I'd also give the. Yeah, I would give the previous one and this one a nine. Oh, okay. You know, I. I mean, I was happy with the episode. It was definitely a good episode. Not every episode can be a perfect episode. I was toying with maybe seven point five. Okay. Well, that's okay. Much lower. Interesting. It was kind of very quickly resolved. It was a very interesting resolution. Mm-hmm. The badgy resolution certainly seemed like maybe as a bit of a rush. And all, how where are we going to go from here? Well, oh, let's just make him a god. Well, I kind of feel I hear what you're saying and I see what you're saying. I kind of feel like this was written in reverse. I kind of feel like mm. they they had decided what they wanted to do with badgy and then wrote mm-hmm. the rest of it to get to that conclusion. Oh, okay. I think the purpose was getting to the to the badgy part. The the badgy ascending part was very long. Mm-hmm. Like it was a good hefty part of the story was the whole yeah. conversation with himself and then the ascendance. And it was, there was a lot of work that went in there in putting mm-hmm. in different symbols and symbology and, you know, mm-hmm. different references to stuff, you know, that's a good perspective. Okay. Interesting. Maybe an eight. <laughs> okay. I wasn't trying to get you to like change your score. I was just like, oh, oh, okay. putting out some things that... <laughs> that were interesting about it alright well if we learn anything between now and uh, when this episode is released we'll definitely come back and let you know about the synopsis of next week's episode no we won't what are you talking oh, about we <laughs> why are we going to do that oh I guess I mean we probably yeah that probably won't happen <laughs> alright until next time mm-hmm. stay positive Okay. dream big yes and you'll hear from us again soon. Badgie was a one-man armor show through <laughs> Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako's Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.